Stella looked at the sentence she had just written. We support urgent but informed action to stabilise greenhouse gas, GHG, concentrations by achieving sustainable long-term emission reductions at the lowest possible cost. She was wondering whether to redraft it to make it snappier when Julia put her head round the door. Ready, she said. Stella got up from her desk and told Natalie, who sat in a glass antechamber to her office, that she'd be back in an hour. They walked around the corner to Le Pain Quotidien, a bakery shop with scrubbed wood tables pretending to be in rural France, and Stella ordered a tricolore salad. Julia said she'd have the same, though she told the waiter she didn't want dressing or pine nuts and wanted only one slice of mozzarella. So, said Stella, once the waiter had taken their orders, how did Stephen take it? I've never seen him so upset, Julia said. It was just extraordinary. He put his head in his hands and for a second he didn't say anything. Then he said I was the best head of press we've ever had and he offered me a pay rise and a promotion. So weren't you tempted to take it? Well, said Julia, it's not entirely about the money. It's more about me and where I see myself ten years from now. You know what really scares me? It's being bored. Doesn't that thought worry you? Stella started to say that she wasn't bored, but Julia went on. You and I are totally different. You've morphed into an Atlantic energy person. It's in your blood in a way it never was in mine. And I'm a risk junkie, while you always play it safe. It was a funny thing about people who left, Stella thought. They always tried to make you feel bad for staying. Maybe you're right, she replied evenly. I suppose I stay because I like it, mostly. Yes, but don't you worry that one day you'll wake up and you'll be fifty-five, forced into early retirement, and it'll be too late to do anything else. So better to leave now in your early forties or mid-forties or whatever, before it's too late. Stella received Julia's reminder that she was three years older in silence. At least I have kept my professional dignity, she thought, which is more than you have. Stella's mobile rang. Darling, yes, I know, it's in my diary. Yes, that's wonderful, well done. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Of course I mean it. I'm just with someone. That's ridiculous, stop it. She frowned and hung up. Sorry about that. It was Clemmy. She's flapping about her parents' evening tonight. No, I'm sorry, said Julia. It's tactless of me to be so demob happy. Stella was finding the conversation surreal. There was no mention of that cab ride two weeks ago when Julia had suddenly and inexplicably wept and told her the story of how she had been having an affair with James Staunton and had destroyed her life and career in one stroke. Stella had tried to be sympathetic, but really she had been amazed and ever so slightly shocked. How did they find the time? And how had she, Stella, completely failed to notice that two close colleagues were sneaking off for steamy encounters in Julia's flat? She had also failed to understand what they saw in each other. James was neither handsome nor charismatic, and so surely not Julia's thing. Instead, he was clever and straight and decent. At least she had thought he was decent until now and so would surely be able to see Julia for the shallow person she was. Well, Stella said, I'm really glad it's all worked out so well for you. 
and that a situation that could have been so awful has been fine. Julia ignored this and started to talk about the PR firm and how its political lobbyists were shaping government policy behind the scenes and how one of them used to work at Buckingham Palace. As they ordered coffee, Stella asked, Did you tell James you are going? Julia looked suddenly stricken. No, I don't owe him any openness. He wasn't open with me.